Good evening and welcome to episode 10 of the Connections podcast. I'm Giles Hegarty and I'm joined as always by my good friend Max Brown. Good evening, Max. Evening, mate. How's things? Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Enjoying the enjoying the nice weather, actually. It's been a bit brighter up here, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's all good. Been, it's been beautiful. I've been up at Giggleswick today in the Yorkshire Dales and uh, it was almost getting tan weather. <laughs> So, no. Put sun cream on. <laughs> Never pink. Never. Um, just working on those wrinkles. Uh, semi-final tomorrow. Yeah, mate. Excited. Yeah, it should What's be fun. Uh, yeah, it should be class. Navarre's Bard Cup. So yeah, it should be good. Very best of luck. Uh, first of all, congratulations! Congratulations to us. No, um, thank you very much to all our listeners for tuning in to episode nine. Um, and uh the feedback's been been excellent as always you know we're actually overwhelmed with the, how positive the feedback has been to, to every episode that we've done so far so thank you to everyone that's taken the time to download and listen uh this evening uh episode 10 is slightly different firstly it's the first time we've actually had a guest live if you like in the in the same room as as one of us he's actually sat next to max right now um we're, I feel very lucky because I, what our guest is going to talk about, I think, is um, what they're doing is really quite cool. And um, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear a little bit more about it. Um, and in the interest of transparency, our guest tonight, Ben Hayes, is, is a good friend of Max's. Ben is a, a third year economic student at the University of Nottingham. He's also, also the welfare secretary for the men's hockey club. And, and our starting point tonight is he's also one of three members of, of what is known as, or what are known as the Pennsylvania Plotters. So Ben, thanks firstly for very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, and I'll, as always, we'll, we'll throw it straight to you. Tell us about the Pennsylvania Plotters and a little bit about your story, please. Sure. So this all came about um, after the very sad passing of my mum. I lost my mum last year to suicide. Um, and we've always sort of wanted to do something in memory of her. And actually, it was my friend's idea, Jamie. His cousins had done a similar sort of walking challenge. And we originally, we were going to copy them and, and do their route. But actually, we looked at the route um, and we realized that we can start in Pangbourne, which is where I used to live. And we can finish in a, a pub called The Old Ship in Hammersmith, which is where my mum used to be a regular. So actually, we thought we'd extend the route a little bit and add that sort of sentimental touch as well. How, how far is the walk? It is, so we've been looking at the plan today, actually. It's about 125 kilometres. Okay. In one go. Yeah, in one in go. One Sorry, go. I should add that. Yes. So the, the, plan is, the plan is to walk, but we say Pangbourne. Pangbourne, yes, our starting Pangbourne. point. Okay, so you're going to walk from Pangbourne. You're going to walk 120 kilometres in one go. And how, what's your aim to try and do that? Have you got a set time you want to do it in? So we sell ourselves a, a limit of 40 hours. Okay. We're sort of probably hoping to do it just under. Okay. But if it gets close to 40 hours, we'll probably have to start jogging, which is something I really do not want to do. <laughs> so it's a, you're going for 120 kilometers in 40 hours. And, and what's the route like? Is it all cross country? So you the get route actually is, is okay. We're just following the Thames. So okay. we'll do quite well to get lost. Um, and it should be fairly flat. So from that sort of side of things, it's, it's going to be okay. But I think the main challenge is going to be staying up for, for that period of time without sleeping. Yeah, I bet, I, I bet it will be. Um, 
now you're not just doing this to to commemorate your your mother you are doing this to raise money as well the charity that you're you're doing that for uh we're doing it for the mental health foundation okay yeah and i've been completely blown away by the the response of the fundraising um sort of within 48 hours we'd reached our initial target of, of two thousand pounds wow um and it's just kind of gone up and up since i've been yeah super touched it's been fantastic what are you up to now we're up to about just shy of nine and a half grand <clears throat> when you how long ago did you did you launch it we launched it at the start of january so it's been live for a couple months now so in in the, in, in effectively two months you've raised just under 10 grand yeah okay it's been it's been wow it's been and fantastic why why did you you know why you're doing the walk you know you've explained the sad motivation behind the, the walk but why particularly that charity um so we sort of we thought it long and hard about a charity that we might choose um did our research and we picked the mental health foundation because they seem to sort of split their the money that they get well between prevention and research um, which for me and my family were sort of the two most important aspects that we wanted to really support. Now, um, I think it's, it's probably important to say that to our listeners that some of the stuff we're probably going to talk about over the next few minutes is, is pretty, can be pretty tough. Um, and, you know, that's sort of a, a disclaimer. You, you are 21? That's right, yeah. 21. So you, your mum, she passed away 12 months ago, roughly. So just you're 20, over, yeah. You're 20 years old um, at uni, and and do you mind just talking us through not not the details of what what happened to your mum, but in terms of how you found out? Yeah, so I, I was actually at home at the time, um, so it was over the Christmas holidays, um, and I saw a, an ambulance pull up into our driveway, and my first thought was it would be for one of our neighbours. Uh, we've got a few sort of elderly neighbours. And then the ambulance, I hear sort of shouts to my dad saying, you know, let them in, let them in. And I think, you know, oh God, what, what's happened? Um, and then obviously, you know, events go on and it, it transpires what, what's happened. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what, what it's like in the immediate aftermath. And I don't, I, unless you feel it's appropriate, Ben, I'm, I'm not sure we want to concentrate too much on, on the initial feelings and that sort of thing. It's more, I guess there's two parts to it, the, the run up to it. And also yeah. as things have progressed, how you've, how you've been able to deal with, with what's happened, which has ultimately culminated in this fantastic opportunity for, for you. And, and I, you know, I should have asked, you said it was Jamie's, Jamie's idea. What's the name of the other chap that you're doing it with? His name is Charlie. Charlie. So Jamie, Charlie, and yourself are doing. The, you know, you've come up with this idea to to really commemorate your mum and, and and raise some money for the Mental Health Foundation. If we if we talk about the past first, if that's okay, you know, of course, how your mum, you know, she's she's made a, a decision. Um, how do you? Was there any ever any signs that there been challenges at home in the past? Yeah, so her story really starts um, sort of over ten years ago. So she had a battle with depression, 
in 2012 and 2013, uh, which led to an attempted suicide back in 2013. Now, luckily, she survived, obviously, and she lived to tell the tale. But up until that point, I, I firstly had no idea that she was suffering, and I also had no understanding of depression. But the opportunity that I then got to sit down with a, a suicide survivor, my mum, and ask her all these questions meant that I really developed a much deeper understanding of what had led her to take those actions. And she went on to do fantastic things. She did a, a TED talk about her experience. And she, well, she did lots of talks and she inspired loads of people, which then made it really hard to understand when she then slipped back into a depression, why, again, she didn't feel like she could reach out um, or, or talk to me about it. I, again, had no clue what was going on. Um, so then I was completely shocked to, to hear the news again. How, I think for me, the one thing that stands out for that is you've, you've talked about a battle there that your mum had and the first thing you say after that is opportunity and the power of that is huge obviously your kind of Pennsylvania plotters has come out of that but what was the first thing the opportunity the first thing you learned from that experience of talking to one about suicide I think it was just really getting inside the head of someone in that state of mind I think it's, it's quite rare that you get sort of the opportunity to ask so many questions and really try and develop an understanding of, you know, why they would do such a thing. Because I know how much my mum loved us all. And in her right mind, she would never have wanted to, to leave us. Um, so it's sort of trying to understand what thoughts go through a person's mind to be put in that position. And how, how old were you going back, 2012, 2013? That was, I was 12 years old at the time. So you're, you're 12 years old and you're having some, I mean, not only have you got to get your head around the fact you just started secondary school, you've got to get your head around the fact that your mum's tried to take her own life. You're then having some fairly hard-hitting conversations. How, how do you process that as a young adolescent? Do you think, I mean, did you, do you, do you feel like you processed it, you've processed it better since? or you know, you Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back, I was I was only twelve years old, very very young boy, um, still you know going through puberty and, and developing. And to be honest, in the early stages, I didn't understand it at all. It wasn't until we sort of continued to have these conversations years later that you can sort of get a better grasp for it. Um, but I think it definitely sort of helped me mature at a younger age, sort of having these deep and meaningful conversations in, in our house for sure. How much, how much support was there externally? I'm very lucky to have a fantastic support network. Um, so sort of, my whole life, more family and friends, rather professional support. And just because I prefer talking to people that know my mum, I find that a bit more comforting. But I've got some fantastic friends and, and great family who are always there to look after me. And you mentioned there you know, for you, me, sorry, hey, uni, going through 
COVID and then going through kind of my experience in first year kind of falling away from uni and kind of what I enjoyed how have you handled such a kind of a traumatic experience alongside uni alongside hockey alongside being welfare sec alongside doing all this charity stuff how have you handled that we spoke to Stuart Lancaster about the glass balls and it feels instead of three you've got five and yeah kind of how how have you kind of juggled juggled those well I found dealing with grief whilst at university a very different challenge to I think the way the rest of my family have, have dealt with things because of course my mum was never a part of my university life so the day-to-day things you know nothing really changes but of course there's this huge overall background issue obviously that's you know really weighing on my mind um, and it, it's quite strange to be so removed from that environment well, I found sort of when I was to go home in the holidays and you walk around the house and you see all that stuff still there, that really sort of triggers these emotions. But I think sort of coming back to your, your question, I'm super lucky again that I, because of my experience, because of the conversations I've had with my mum, I feel really comfortable talking about my emotions. And I found actually that's, that's been the biggest thing that's really helped me through. If we we just go back to, you said that your preference has been to talk to people that knew your mum, so you could presumably share your experiences and memories of, of her. When your, your mum was facing up to some of the challenges that she had over 2012 and 2013, did she go and seek professional help? Did she go and talk to, to, to external people as well? Um, so my understanding was, yes, she went to speak to her GP. Um, but lots of this information I learned in retrospect after the event, as at the time I was completely unaware of any sort of issues that were going on with my mum. Sure, sure. Um, and as you now, you know, you talk there, Max has asked you, you know, how it's been being at university. You are the welfare secretary for your, your hockey club. What inspired you to, you know, were you inspired by your mum to try and take that role on? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I found one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen was my mum's TED Talk and the way that she used her experience to try and turn that into something positive. And in that sort of memory, if you like, I want to do the same, whether that be through the, the welfare stuff, through the work I've done at Movember or or this recent charity challenge. Um, I just think if I can have some of her spirits and really try and make the most of a bad situation, then hopefully I can help, even if just help one person and it'll be worth it. I think a lot of people say that. I think we said that about this mm. podcast. If, if one person just takes one thing from it, like we're winning, I think if you can take that mentality into like anything, I think it's just going to blow up. But something that you mentioned there, your mum's TED Talk, I've watched it a few times now. <clears throat> each, time I, each time I watch it, I pull something away from it that's new. One thing that I listened to it yesterday was hope. as a like key theme. How have you found hope in kind of 
uni life you must have thought about dropping out at some point or uh, just giving up or just letting go of some stuff how have you found hope in what is a pretty one of the darkest situations no for sure there have been some some really dark times for me and my family um but i sort of always think back to the the healthy happy mum i I knew and i know that what she would want for me is to live my life to the full um she had a great laugh my mum and she always, always made others laugh and i like to think i've inherited that a little bit so it's just sort of thinking actually you know I love my mum and she would she would want me to go and have fun. You're now on the cusp of graduating. Yes, exciting times <laughs> ahead, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> as you as you start to look to the future, have you you know, you are doing this great work, you know, for the Mental Health Foundation at the moment, and, and you've talked there about how you want to try and inspire people. Have you learned any thoughts of what you might do? I mean, you, you are an economics student, but is your plan to, to work in economics or is the plan to, um, is the plan to, to stay in and do something, try and do something else and try and work more with, with towards, you know, with mental health and that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I haven't given a huge amount of thought to my future beyond university. Um, I think it's quite rare that you find a student who really knows what they want to do after leaving. Um, Wait till you get to 40, you still don't know what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to take some time off after uni and, and figure things out, I think. And I, I'm just, you know, there's so many questions that are coming out of this. Um, and I think, you know, it is, to be completely honest, you know, we do our prep quite well, Max and I. Um, but I think I've, it shocked me a little bit, some of the stuff that you talked about there, Ben. And, and um, you know, it's quite a hard hitting topic. And to be sat here talking to you, you know, and I, I mean this in the most respectful way, you know, 21 to have gone through that experience when you were, you know, 12, 13, to now be going through, you know, to have gone through what you've gone through 12 months ago, you, you seem so calm about it. And I'm just curious as to what tools you've used, you know, that you learned over, that you've learned over the last, you know, I guess 10 years, nine, 10 years. And also what you've particularly learned over the last 12 months that have allowed you to be able to, I mean, I don't know, being frank, mate, fucking hell, I'd probably be in pieces and you're, you just seem, you're so calm about talking about it. And I know you talked about how your mum had said you, you know, you, you, you're comfortable talking about your emotions because of the conversation you had. I just wonder what other tools you, you might have used in the past or that you've learned in the past that have allowed you to get to this point. Yeah. Um, are sort of two main things spring to mind. The first is sort of my outlet through exercise. Um, I've really enjoyed long runs and actually just going out and just sometimes not even taking headphones and you sort of just run and you just think wherever your mind takes you. Um, and just exercise in general, I find a really helpful outlet. But secondly, I think arguably more importantly, it's been the realization that 
nobody's perfect and that as a kid you kind of grow up and you think my parents are these model human beings whereas actually you kind of get to a certain stage you know they're just they're just like me and you um you know they have relationship issues they have their own struggles they have their own worries and actually you look around everyone's everyone's got that you know everyone's got their own story everyone's got stuff going on um, so it does make you feel like actually, you know, I'm, whilst I'm going through a lot of stuff myself, I'm not alone in that. And there are lots of other people going through horrible things every day as well. My, my boss has this saying, which the first time I heard it, it really stuck with me, which is if, if someone was having their best day, would they react in the way that they have? I think that, you know, that really cuts to the nub of what you're, what you're saying there. You know, yeah. people. We've talked about it before. We talked about it, Stuart. We talked about it in, in a couple of other episodes. Life's life's hard. You know, I know, I know. You know, Stuart's quite right. There's some really cool stuff that goes on in life. Life is good, but you know, life is really hard, and there are challenges on a daily basis, and you never know what challenge someone is facing on, on in that given moment, and particularly when you know everybody's context is so unique. So. You know, it might be that Max hasn't had his breakfast, which is one of his biggest, most important things, but that might really mess his day up. You know, and it might be that as a result, his head falls off. And that might seem really trivial, and I'm not trying to trivialize what we're talking about, but I think it's a good example of where, you know, in that, in that moment and in that context, Max is having a tough time of it. You know, we never really know what's, what's, beneath the surface and I think you know we go right the way back to to episode one that we've done and and you know, we've talked every week about you know the work that blokes does as a charity being prepared to double check on people you know are, are you okay yeah yeah I'm great are you you know are you really okay actually that's that's all it can take and that's you know, I'm, I, I can't imagine what, how, you know, how, what you've gone through. But I guess, you know, you've learned these tools off the back of, of the experiences that, that you have. And that's, you know, that allows you to be the welfare officer and, check, you know, you do check in on people and it allows you to work with the Mental Health Foundation and that sort of thing. Um, how have you found that people have responded to you? So... You know what I mean by that is not not the way you are as a welfare officer. More, you come back to university after this absolute tragedy. Some people, I imagine, would have been fantastic. Some people would have been like, "Fuck that! I don't want anything to do with that." I'm really backed off because they just don't know how to deal with it. Um, you know, I just wonder how how did how was it for you? you? You know, the first day back at uni, first few days back at uni after the tragedy. Yeah, I mean, so when I came back, it was really still locked down from memory. So the only people I really saw were my housemates. And they were incredibly supportive. Um, you know, can't, can't ask much more there. And then going forward, you do often find that very well-meaning people, they want to bring it up, they want to check in, but they just don't know what to say. And they're scared of saying the wrong thing. And they sort of, they want, they don't want to upset you, but actually 
they're not going to accept me because I'm already thinking about it. And then them saying, you know, how are you? It's, it's never going to make it any worse. Yeah. What from somebody who's not experienced that and somebody who has seeing those people who are in no man's land and don't know what to say, what, what can they say? Do you think? I mean, I think don't, don't be afraid to put it bluntly okay. because you're not going to put any, anything in their head that wasn't already there or even just literally, you know, asking how do you feel about your mum? Mm. You know, how, how have you been <clears throat> in these last few days? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it was quite interesting. My, uh, I had a lecture this week on suicide prevention and one of the topics was, does talking about suicide make people think about suicide? And as a whole group, we were just all over the place with it. We didn't know what to say. We were like, yeah, no, like everyone was there, but like, it's so interesting just to hear you say, just ask, yeah, just talk, just, just get it out. And yeah, I think, I think that's epic. I think if everyone does that, and as you said there, it doesn't matter how unique the situation is. It's like, if it's small, if it's large, if it's, if it's your mum or breakfast, like I'm not making them equal at all, nowhere at all, but like, just ask. Yeah, I think it's so interesting to like one question can answer so many issues. Absolutely. I actually, um, I did a mental health first aid course the other day. And one of the things they spoke about was actually do ask, have you had thoughts about suicide? Mm. Uh, which at first I was quite shocked by because I, my first reaction was, you know, if they haven't thought of that, maybe now they are. But actually what, what the lady said was, you know, chances are they are already having these thoughts but talking them out loud will do them a lot of good so for me something that's huge is making talking about mental health and as you have done tonight talking about suicide and family and someone who's really close to home the norm um have you got any advice on how we can kind of just make it kind of the baseline for people well, as we do with our physical health like just talking about mental health talking about suicide talking about self-harm these issues that do go on unnoticed how can we kind of make them the norm yeah i think it's a really really tricky issue um there is still that that stigma that surrounds talking about mental health and i think a great way to break that is you know like we're doing now having conversations on air that can be shared but it doesn't necessarily have to be a public conversation, just having a conversation with your friends at home. Um, or, you know, you don't have to, like mum did, go and do a TED talk, yeah. but you can just check up on your mates and actually, you know, ask them slightly deeper questions and really get down to how they are, you know, truly feeling. You mentioned there your mum's TED talk and you've said that she gave, you know, she gave a number of different talks and she really wanted to, to get her message out there about her experiences uh, after what happened in, in 2012, 2013. What was the what were her messages? You know, what was she what was she trying to preach? To, preach them to sound a bit strong. What was she trying to say to people? I think the main one is hope. I know Max touched on it earlier, um, but Mum had this great quote. Well, it's not her quote, but she loved it. It was, um, "Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain." And I think she really sort of showed people that if you get through the tough times. Yeah, there are brighter times ahead. Um, and I think just learning to cope when you are, you know, when you are in those depths of depression or when you are having those down days, learning to, you know, find your coping strategies and get through those, they will reap rewards in the long run.
we've we've touched on on grief and the impact of of grief and it, it, it taking many different forms and grief there is a healing process that it takes as as long as it takes you know for some people it's days for some people it's years and there are all the different stages of grief that you know we're, I don't, we'll probably want to pick apart now this is quite a tough question i guess ben but as you sit here now 12 months on and you know you're i guess you've got that foundation of of hope that your mum gave you where would you say you are on that journey can you qualify it oh i'm not sure i can i can sort of qualify it but i think because it is you know they say the i'm not again i'm going to push another saying but um something like that the weight of grief never goes away you just sort of learn to deal with it yeah um and for me you know there have been times where i'm i've really struggled and there have been times when to be honest i feel pretty normal and actually perfectly happy um and that can fluctuate hugely but i think i'm slowly coming to terms with the death um and obviously you know with with coming to terms the grief sets in a little bit more certainly at the start you know i was in in shock a bit of denial um, especially whilst being at university, being removed from that environment, it's so easy to just kind of deny it a little bit. Um, but, you know, eventually reality sets in and, and you, you just learn to deal with it. Something for me there is you touched on it, saying sometimes you feel normal and sometimes you feel shit. And something I've tried to do recently, especially kind of since playing rugby again and since rugby has been really good for me is when those moments are really, really good, just treasure it in the moment and just know that it's good and appreciate that moment and be kind of grateful for that and just try and soak it up and then know that that's a high and then alone, another low may come, but there'll always be another high. It's kind of getting through that storm that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I think self-awareness is yeah, key in huge. that aspect. Yeah, massive. Funny, the, we, we often reference the High Performance Podcast and the Dan Carter episode, which I judge by the way, Ben just reacted, he's clearly a listener as well. Um, yeah, great he, podcast. Yeah. Um, Dan Carter talks about his gratitude book and he references how every day he writes down things that he's, he's grateful for. Um, I'm not... It's not something that I particularly am comfortable doing, but certainly I think Max's point there about being able to recognize, you know, the, the good times, you know, I, I, I've had some times, the first Christmas I had on my own with the kids, um, we didn't have a particularly big Christmas tree and my daughter was really, she was like, Daddy, please, whatever happens next Christmas, can we have a big Christmas tree? So sure enough, I was like, well, I've made my daughter a promise. But you know, you, so anyway, there's a load of stuff that went on and eventually we got this Christmas tree and on, on the way, bringing the Christmas tree into the, the house, um, <laughs> She managed to wipe my phone 
And I was like, shit, you know, now everything's going to go wrong, but I can't get the Christmas tree properly in the house and everything, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that. And, you know, and my marbles fell out a little bit because I was still in this state of struggle and grief and you're still dealing with the fact that you're having a Christmas on your own and that sort of thing. But um, the, the point is that as I sat back and reflected on that, it, it, I, I had this image in my head, I wanted everything to be perfect. You know, I wanted the, I wanted Christmas tree, I wanted the Christmas tree, I wanted this, that, and the other. That's not real life, and and my kids don't give a shit. They, you know, I could have put that Christmas tree in the house and done nothing with it, and they would have been happy because I was there and they were there and there was a Christmas tree in the house, and that's all they wanted. You know, and I go back to when, and I've read loads of stuff. And Max, you'll, you know, you'll know this, and Ben, you'll know it from, from hockey as well. Like, when we win, it's great when we lose. Oh, fucking hell. You know? And I used to go home, and I'd be like a bear with a sore head. And, you know, it would really impact on my home life. But kissing me the shit. You know, they just, they, they don't care whether you win or lose. You know? And I think the reason I, the reason I mention that is because it's being able to recognize those moments of it doesn't really the joy that exists in life can be in the smallest thing and actually you know when you look around you i know you guys are a bit younger than i am you haven't got kids yet but when your kids are looking at you going we just want to sit and chill and watch tv or you know we don't care if you've won or lost you know, we'll, we'll, like, I've got back from the sevens comp today. The boys have won. The kids are like, yeah, great. But we don't care. It's great that you've won, but really we just want to spend time with you. And it's been the, the, being able to recognize those moments of joy, I think, is a real challenge for people. Yeah, it's like the kind of blissness of ignorance, isn't it? You can kind of just hold yourself away from it. Um, I think something that I try to do is when I'm in situations like that, where I can feel myself losing it, <clears throat> feel my head going a little bit, just pinch, literally pinch yourself and just be like, zoom out. Just pull yourself out of the situation and think, in two days' time, is this even going to matter? Let alone six, seven months' time, year, whatever. Just zoom out from it. I think that's really helped me, especially when I went through my phase of not clinically diagnosed with depression, but low times in first year using that just zoom out doesn't matter if you're missing out on whatever because in a year's time it's not going to matter and i think i don't know if you use that with your situation but that's something that's really really helped me <clears throat> so yeah. paul, paul mcgee talked about the, the give it a score out of five yeah exactly and zoom shut yeah. up and move on <laughs> yeah you know, give it a score out of five how, how serious how serious is this um and I, you know I don't, I'm not trying to move us away from, from the challenges that you've, you've had, but I think it's just trying to help people to understand that, as we've talked about, there are, everybody's context is unique. And there are some days where you're going to be at a five, and there are other days when you're going to be at a one. And you can't, I guess you can't predict how you're going to wake up and feel. And that is, that's one of the challenges of grief. It's one of the challenges with depression. Um, you know, you never, and you never, you know, you could be wake up at a one and suddenly by the, something happens and the smallest thing and it's, the day goes to a five. 
you know you get a message or an experience or whatever it might be um and it's being prepared you know one of the challenges that i have i know personally we've sort of talked to max and i've talked about this and you've alluded to it today ben is when you recognize those moments a either being able to zoom out as you just talked about or being able to turn around to someone your mates and be like i need five minutes here you know and a, a having the self-confidence and the self-awareness to be able to ask that question you know can i get five minutes with you can i can we go for a brew and b and Max, you've talked about this a huge amount over the last few weeks. It's making sure you, you know you've got a team around you who, you know, team, you know, your best your mates to be able to go. Do you know what? I I know I can go to that person right now, and regardless of what they're doing, they'll give me the five minutes that I need. Um, and I guess you know you you've talked about it at the beginning, Ben. You have you've, you've had a fantastic support network. Is that as time has gone on, has that refined? Like, are there, you know, particularly at uni, are there people that you can go to and you know, I know I can text that person, I know I can pop around the corner. You know, how has that, that worked out? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, certainly at the start, when it's big news, you get messages from everyone. Yeah. Which is lovely. You know, it's, you know, it's so nice to know. And everyone says, you know, please, 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 if you ever need anything, do reach out. Um, and then that tends to last for a few months or so. And then you kind of get to a phase where, you know, quite rightly, everyone else starts to move on with their life. But, you know, for the people that it affects the most, me and my family, we're still a bit stuck behind. And that's when you sort of start to, refine your network a little bit and, and go to your really close friends um and people that you know are, are always there for you no, no matter what yeah i think something that i've learned in my kind of context of that is you can go to them i've said it before you can go to them with good news and you can go to them with bad news and either way they'll open you they'll accept you with open arms and they want to hear it. They want to hear your good news. They want to hear your shit news because they want to be there for you, regardless of kind of the outcome of it. I think that's something I've learned kind of at uni. Just take people as you speak to them, see what they do, see how they react. If they, if they follow it up, if they pick up on small stuff, stuff like that, I think it's huge for kind of re refining that kind of network. One of the questions we always put to our, our guests, Ben, is what is your habit? So when when things get when things get tough, things are good, what are your consistent? So I've already said it. Max is a big eater, he's always got to have his breakfast. I'm not. There's <laughs> <laughs> a one-time thing. Um, I'm I'm big into my exercise. You know, you've said it, you go you go for the long runs is that is that you go to is that you is that the one habit that you know ben's ben's having a good day or a bad day what's the one thing you're going to do every day yeah i mean i sort of found in my sort of darker days routine kind of goes out the window mm -hmm. um and especially shortly after the death you know days all kind of merge into one there's no real structure to any of any of my life really everything's just a bit of a mess um, and I've definitely found I do much better when I've got a better structure in my life. And in terms of habits, 
I, I do think it is exercise for me. I think for me, that's my favorite outlet of my emotion. It doesn't have to be a run. It can be whatever, but just getting out and sweating mm. makes me feel a lot better. What kind of structure do you talk about? What kind of, is it in your mornings or your evenings or just doing a certain few things each it's day? It's just having a few things that, you know, I do each day, whether it be, so for example, at university, um, a structured day might include some exercise, some work, some admin, and I'll actually sort of plan that out so I can, I do actually do it rather than just sort of waking up, snoozing my alarm for two hours, watching a bit of TikTok um, and staying in bed. I think if I actually write it down as well, it helps me to get out of bed and, and have a better day. Yeah, I've found that. I think journalising is huge. I started keeping a journal in like first and second year and it's massive for me. I don't know about you, Giles. But... Um, well, it's, I live in a world where, because um, I'm a teacher, every day is timetabled. So I kind of have a set routine. And actually the biggest struggle I have is, is in the holidays because suddenly... You know, you haven't got people telling you what to do. You haven't got people telling you what to wear. Um, and that can be that can be really quite, it's great for a couple of days when you're like, sweet, I can, I can chill. And then you're like, oh my God, I actually need to, you know, I can find myself where a day will have gone by. And if I haven't really planned out what I need to do, it will just disappear on me. And it was the same, you know, one of the best things about being in England camp, Max, is that every day you've got the, the board, um, you know, so you know where you've got to be at what time. You know, there isn't a bell going off, but you, you know what routine you're going to have. So I completely understand. Like if I haven't planned out what my day is going to be in, in the holidays, um, and you know, even even at weekends, the kids the kids are always asking me, "Oh, what are we doing today? What are we going to do tomorrow? And then what are we going to do? And then what are we going to do?" As in, they, you know, they like to have their day mapped out as well now whether that's a nature or a nurture thing i'm not entirely sure but i think it is having those routines really help people just, it just gives you a reference point doesn't it yeah definitely i think in first year again <clears throat> had no structure whatsoever so having it having it now is pretty a bit helpful so um ben that, there is some research out there and i'm not professing to have read any of it that depression can be can you know there's some questions it can be genetic um are you have you thought you know as you look forward you know do you have any concerns about yourself and and you know the is nature or nurture that sort of thing yeah i mean the thought has definitely crossed my mind i'm hoping that the awareness i have of depression will help me if if that time comes mm. um However, you know, I thought the exact same about, about my mum. You know, she understood depression so well and yet still really struggled second time round. So it, it, there's definitely something that plays on my mind. But um, I'm, as a healthy individual saying this right now, mentally healthy, with my support network around me, I'm quietly confident that I should be okay. Is there any trigger point? that you can see kind of <clears throat> change in your behavior or your mental well-being then that you can go right i need to i need to put my hand up i need to speak to someone because i think a lot of people just kind of they're in the motion of it they're just flowing through life they're just cruising and then it gets to a really really bad point and then they go shit yeah. right 
what do I do now? And then often then they can't talk about it. So is there any point where you're like, there's a trigger, there's a moment where you go, okay, that's happened. I've seen this before. This is how I'm going to kind of counteract that. Um, ooh, I'm not sure. I mean, we were speaking briefly off air. My family got some some very sad news, Charles, the other day. We had to put my um our dog down, our family dog. I'm oh, sorry. Um, very out of the blue. And I did sort of see some parallels with the the unexpected loss. Um in terms of trigger, I don't necessarily think I've recognized something yet. Mm. I think that actually just being honest with myself mm. and those around me and actually just talking things through. Um, even when sort of life feels like it's just constantly throwing stuff at you, mm. if you're able to to be honest with yourself and, and those around you, I think that for me that really helps. Did you did you recognise triggers in your or changes in your mum? Um, to be honest, no. Um, I was away from home. I was at university. Sure. Um, my parents were also going through a divorce at the time. So any sort of time that I sensed mum wasn't quite right, I sort of attributed to that. Mm. Um, so to be honest, both both on both occasions, I really struggled to pick anything up. But she was determined to uh, to hide it from her kids, which I think is very common. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I I wish she hadn't. Yeah, I think you know as a as a parent who has had some some mental health challenges, yeah, you don't, you know, nothing, nothing to the point, unfortunately, that your your mum suffered from. But you do not want your kids to, you don't want it to impact on your kids. And it's almost, um, it sounds really silly saying it out loud, but. And maybe, yeah, you just don't want your kids to see you hurt. You know, I, I went camping a couple of years ago and I tore a cartilage in my knee. And it was the most, you know, I was just bending going down, getting something out of a box. And, you know, you know, I knew I'd done something serious. And my kids were there. And thank God my mum was there as well. But because I, I, I don't know what the hell I would have done. But you're like, shit, I cannot let them know. I can't, you know, I can't walk. I can't, you know, I'm in a lot of discomfort here, but I do not want my kids to know because, you know, it's like you, you, know, you stub your toe, whatever it might be. If there's no one around, you're swearing and cursing at yourself, but you just, so I think, and, and when it's nothing that can be seen, you know, when you wake up and it, everything feels like a five and all you want to do is pull the covers over your head, you just don't really want, to show that to, to well to anyone to be honest but certainly not to my kids you know that was that that was it that is that is tough so i yeah i understand what you've experienced there you know, from the other side i think um i think you know it's important to say to all our listeners there's obviously you know i know i did the disclaimer at the beginning there's been some pretty tough stuff talked about here um and i hope Ben, you feel that we've dealt with it in a respectful way. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I hope that our listeners will also, will also feel the same. Um, 
I think it's it's also important to say that if you if you've heard anything in today's episode that resonates with you, um, you know, our, our listeners, if it resonates with any of you, then a, you know, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We go and speak to someone. You know, whether you've, you know, you're having some some tough times or you're having some tough thoughts. Or you know, if you're going through, you know, you know someone that is, then please go and talk to, to someone. Pick up the phone, send that text message. Go and ask someone if they're okay. You know, this is it's far too prevalent. The stat we talked about a few weeks ago, you know, particularly with not to make it about men, particularly as it's International Women's Day. You know, we ask people if they're all right. Reach out. Um, I think that's a really important thing to say, given that you know that some of the stuff we've talked about tonight. Um, let's take it back to you know finish on a on a positive. That's not to say that you know your mum talked about hope. Um, you've got your walk coming up. What's the date? The nineteenth and twentieth of March. So not long. Not long at all. Have you done much training for it? If you're doing a bit. Yeah. yeah. You've got some decent shoes. Just about. Good. <laughs> um, Jamie and Jamie and Charlie, they are they at Knotts themselves? No, we're friends from home. So one is at Durham and one is at Newcastle. Okay. So they'll be they'll be coming down and then hopefully on Sunday uh, late Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um we'll uh, yeah, you'll be sipping a pint in Hammersmith. That's the plan. That's the plan. Um you've got you presumably you have a website for donations. We do. Yes. Please um, tell us. Best way to find it is probably actually through our Instagram. We have an Instagram account just called the Pennsylvania Plotters. Um, and there's a just giving link on there as well. Great. Well, we'll we will we'll make sure we put that on uh, onto our post. Um, as always, you know, I, I just want to say a huge thanks, Ben. Um, it's as I say, you know, we do our prep, but it it really has been an eye-opening conversation and I think you know you deserve a huge amount of respect for being able to articulate the way that you know, the experiences that you've had so thanks ever so much for coming on mate we really appreciate it oh well, thanks for having me guys it's been great um Max um outstanding work as always thanks for thanks for getting Ben on um tough subject but a hugely important one I think we both agree yeah massively <clears throat> I think we just need to so make it the norm um just talking about it it's so interesting like throughout all of these i think it's 10 episodes now there's two things that are consistent one exercise people moving yeah and two just talk yeah. and there's two things literally everyone can do it's just a choice it's, it's it's purely a choice and i think if we can encourage people to do both those things i think if one person changes then uh, it's all worth it really you know, that's that's what this is all about isn't it um as always to our listeners thank you so much for tuning in you can hit us up on our instagram the dot connections podcast the email address is on there if you want to get in touch we'd love to hear from you um if you if you do listen on whichever format you do listen can you please give us a rating it isn't about the ratings but we'd just like to understand exactly what you know where we're up to and and if we're uh, if we're doing that doing a people a good service um thank you to ben again max good luck tomorrow um and uh, i'll speak to you soon cheers mate bye